Hi, I'm Jules Hamilton, and this is the Good Summer Podcast, Keeping It Good. It's a chance for all of us to hear stories of people making a positive change in the world. The Good Summit is a space of gathering to celebrate common good in the world and to cultivate more of it. Join the Tribe of Good by signing up to our mailing list at thegoodsummit.com and learn where our latest gatherings are taking place, who is going to be there, and how you can get involved. Help us help you make the world a better place. In this episode, we talk to the energetic and passionate Emma McCallion. Emma is a singer-songwriter from Northern Ireland, now based in Valencia, Spain. Her deep connection to faith drives her music and her work. As well as being a musician, Emma is a languages teacher, a conference speaker, and the coordinator of an NGO working with vulnerable women in street prostitution throughout Spain. Emma's songs highlight social issues and call us to action over injustice. Get ready to be challenged and inspired, listening to what some people are doing for others on the streets of Spain. Emma has just released a new single, Paying for Love. And as a special treat in this podcast, you get to hear it. Where life and faith and art and action collide, please welcome the wonderful Emma McCallion to the chat. Emma McCallion... You are so welcome to the Good Summer Podcast, Keeping It Good. Jules Hamilton, so lovely to see you and hear you. It is lovely to see you. It's, it, this is across across the airwaves. You are currently sitting in Spain. I'm in the Costa del Port Stewart, which is <laughs> not quite the same as Spain. I think it's probably a little bit warmer and, and better for you in the summer. It looks like a few rays are coming in there, though. You've got a little bit of a tan. You don't. You're not completely reflecting. You know. I just haven't. Uh, I haven't washed for about a week. It's all. Uh, that what it is. That <laughs> what it is. But here, it's about. It's been averaging about thirty degrees um, in the last last few weeks. So, you know, you just feel a little bit, a little bit sticky all the time, a little bit shiny all the time. So. <laughs> well, that's all right. Um. Emma, we have asked you to come on this podcast because you have been doing some really interesting and important work in Spain. Those of you listening will notice straight away that Emma does not sound Spanish. Uh, She actually, I I used to think she was Scottish. She had such a great Scottish accent. Uh, But tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into the really exciting thing that you've been doing recently. Well, um, I suppose we should tell them actually how we know each other because um, the reason you and I met was that I lived with one of your very good friends in Scotland uh, Mm -hmm. whenever I was there studying. So I studied in Scotland, studied languages and became a language We should say hello to other Emma. Hello, other Emma. Hello, other Emma. Yeah, so I know, yeah, we were at the Emma's in uh, in the flat of Blue. She will love that shout out. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you're from Northern Ireland, uh, which yeah. is God's own country. And you studied in Scotland, you went into Europe and you discovered that you liked it. I'm going to stay here. And yeah. so you've been teaching and you still do some teaching, but you've also been volunteering uh, with women who sell themselves on the streets for want of a better 
free? Yeah, uh, or who are exploited and sold. Um, okay, okay. Tell, tell, tell us about that. Tell us about use of language, I suppose, around that. Yeah, well, I mean, when we first started working in this area, like we didn't know very much, you know, we kind of were, you know, a lot of us felt quite ignorant um, to what was going on. But what uh, we knew was that there's a lot of street prostitution. It's very visual in Spain, uh, something that you wouldn't see as much in uh, the UK or in Ireland, but you, um, it, it's still pretty, <laughs> it's still pretty heavy in the UK and Ireland. It's just a lot more hidden. It happens in apartments, mm. happens more in the clandestine brothels. Uh, okay. But uh, in Spain, it's a lot more visual. It's a lot more on the streets. That is changing um, in a way that's unfortunate because it means that we don't have as easy access to the girls to meet them and to try and help them. So, so you, you, you quite rightly picked me up on my use of saying, so you work with people who sell themselves on the streets and you're like, well, actually people who have been exploited. Yeah. I mean, the majority of the girls we work with are, uh, there is a pimp behind uh, what they're doing. There's an entire network uh, behind what uh, they're doing. Uh, many of them have been abused, um, whether that be physically, mentally. A lot of the time, the mental abuse is the worst because, uh, especially the Romanians, so our, we work with Romanians, Nigerians, uh, some Latina girls, you know, from South America and some uh, Russians as well. And very often we find that the Romanians have gone through a very long process since a very young age, basically a brainwashing, uh, coming from a very poor uh, background. I mean, they've come out of, they came out of a dictatorship mm -hmm. uh, in, the, in the 90s. And they, uh, very often, these young girls are um, basically wined and dined uh, and what we call, that they, what they use there to capture and to then traffic and move a girl from one area to another to then exploit her. Uh, what they use there is the model called the lover boy. Uh, and the lover boy will put in his time because he will make a lot of money if he spends time with this woman for, it might take six months, it might take a year, it might take two years for him to completely convince her that he's completely in love with her that uh, she should do anything and everything he asks of her because he's the one looking after her, because he loves her, because he says she's beautiful, because he's going to take care of all her problems. Well, what, what age? What age would this be happening now, Emma? Most of them, the process starts when they're about 12, 13. Um, wow. We've heard of a number of cases of girls who uh, the whole village of the girls is targeted and they may be raped, gang raped. And then by the time they're 15, 16, if not a little bit older, they say, well, this has been happening to you for years. So, uh, you know, why don't you get paid for it now? And they almost believe that they've said yes. They believe it's their choice, their decision to then move to Italy, to Spain, to wherever they're being exploited. So when you speak to them, when we speak to them for the first time in the streets, they've already gone through five to six years of mental grooming and mental abuse. And they will talk wow. about their partners very openly as someone who loves them. A lot of the time they're married because uh, if they're caught... Uh, there, it's it's taken as a as a domestic violence um, charge. Yeah. So the, the so if so if they're married to the 
to their pimp or their exploiter, the person who's making money also off them. They're married to them and they're caught on. It's seen as a domestic violence charge rather okay. than a sexual exploitation charge, which is obviously a lot worse, a trafficking charge a lot worse. So these women, a lot of the time, do not testify against their husbands because uh, they have this idea that they are being loved and looked after. So it's kind of like the same idea. If you've ever spoken to anyone um, or had experience of anyone who is a victim of domestic abuse, that goes back even after they have been beaten up over and over again and put in hospital. It's that kind of mental idea of I need this, this dependency or even fear of this person or of the unknown of what do I do without them. So there's a lot of that. And even to the point where these girls will sell themselves on the streets, but it's not even, a, it's not all the time. It's not always a physical uh, being pushed forward and forced it's this mental I have to do this because uh-huh. you know he wants me to it's just horrible like society kind of makes them feel like they're a lot less so what we try to do is let them know that they do have value and that they are worthy of love and they're worthy of more do you know what I'm actually taken back to the very first podcast that we recorded Emma we uh, that the very first episode in this series was with Dave Linton, uh, who started the company Mad Lug, Make a Difference Luggage. And he he started that company because he, he discovered through a course of his own um, life as a, as a foster carer that whenever kids in care move from house to house, very often the possessions just went into a black bin bag. And that sense of um, he started, he, he, his heart went out to them and it was like, no, you're worth more than this. Um, uh, you are loved and you belong, you have value and you have worth. And, mm. and I just love hearing different places around the world in different circumstances where actually people are standing up to other humans and saying, no matter what it looks like, you have value, you have worth, mm. you are loved. That's uh, you know, you belong. That's that's beautiful. Thank you for taking me back uh, to the start of this whole podcast thing. Um, You're very welcome. I had no tell idea. Me, <laughs> <laughs> can, can, can I just can I just say? So, by the way, this was a gospel choir that you were in, and and yes. so you 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 guys were all like singing about love and mercy and peace and justice, and then it was like, hang on, should we not, you know, be trying to build some? Or something as well, is it? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Actually, well, yeah. That's. I mean, that's our kind of our roots, like where we, uh, where we came from. We started. Uh, there's a number of us singing or playing in the gospel, the Valencian gospel choir. Um, okay. Gospel Gloria, and we actually went on a retreat one weekend. Uh, we were touring, kind of. We had a few concerts up in Barcelona, and on the coaches and in the coffee kind of time quite a few of us had the same sort of conversation and realized that a lot of us had been thinking about, there's a lot of women in prostitution in Valencia and as a group of Christians and as a gospel choir, we sing about, we sing about freedom. We had, you know, a clip from Martin Luther King on at the start of some of our songs that and we're like, well, why don't we, get involved in something that actually does what we sing about, you know? Nice. So we, nice. Um, 
kind of looked into it, got training as much as we could from other teams that have been doing this for a lot longer than we have, um, you know, met other groups that run refuge houses and kind of, you know, as a team, like anything, you have to kind of figure out you the way that you need to do it, the way that you want to do it, because everyone in your team is different from the team we worked with in Madrid. So, you know, we get good advice from them. We get a lot of wisdom from them. And then we just kind of needed to make our own mistakes and also figure out, you know, our way of doing things. So uh, we started then these routes for a year. We went out just on prayer routes and also asked a lot of questions to the other groups and, you know, whenever, whatever came up. And uh, the first couple of girls we spoke to were by accident because we were there maybe like leaving a little like notes or leaving like a little drink or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, uh, a girl appeared out of nowhere and we were like, oh my goodness, we are so unprepared. Um, But it was like, no, actually just you you talk to this person like she is a normal person because she is. She is a normal person who actually (laughs) needs our help. You talk to this person as a normal person. Because she is a normal person. Because she is a normal person. Brilliant. That's the thing. Because so many people are like, yeah. oh, you're not afraid to go and speak to a prostitute? And I'm like, no, it's like, no, not at all. And, uh, you know, so n- and now it's like the most natural thing in the world. Like it's, it's uh, you know, I'm a secondary teacher and I find that sometimes working with a lot of our girls, especially because a lot of them were exploited from they were teenagers. A lot of them mentally are still teenagers. So a lot of the time I yeah. just feel like I, you know, I'm on a one-to-one with someone from my class because yeah. of the, like, they're kind wow. of, yeah. their, their humor, their, maybe their level of maturity, sometimes their moodiness, you know, they're going to, you know, the girls are, have been through a lot, you know, they've yeah. been through a lot of things. And as well, sometimes you think, I, I'm coming to visit you today with my agenda of I want you to give you a drink and I want to, uh, you know, uh, bring a smiley face and have a chat and check how you're doing and see if we can help with anything. And we do offer them places in refuge houses and if they need help in doing that, etc. But sometimes I turn up and she might be like, I can't be bothered with your happiness and your bubbly bubbliness today. And she might respond to me yeah. with anger, you know, or yeah. might respond yeah. to me with, yeah, thanks for the drink, but see you later. Or sometimes they start off in a bit of a bad mood. And by the time we're leaving, they're smiling because that's basically, okay. that's the minimum that we want to happen on a visit, you know? And um, yes, yeah, so we, we have a team phone as well where um, they can send us WhatsApps um okay. you know they send they like sending emojis um a lot of them send voices and um, it's quite interesting because a lot of the Romanians can't read very well uh obviously they're in Spain and we we will communicate with them in Spanish but some of them can't read in Romanian either um and then with the Nigerian girls they will send like so many random videos and you know like the memes and things like that but that's it's actually through the pandemic it was a great way to keep in contact with quite a number of them um you know so we'll maybe get the odd little message the odd little call from them but uh yeah they we do keep in touch with them via messages and um like they do i mean even through you know through the pandemic we were obviously we had to put things on hold for a while and obviously we're still in a pandemic aren't we uh, but we, um, <laughs> we had to put things on hold during the like lockdown and restrictions and all of that yeah. and when we got 
back to see them, it's like, you know, you're going to see one of your mates that you haven't seen in over a year. And wow. uh, especially the Nigerians. The Nigerians are very vibrant and, you know, we'll, uh, it's very, you know, we obviously have to keep our distance from everybody now, but like we have to go, remember, don't hug me. <laughs> This podcast is proudly supported by the amazing folks at Thought Collective, a team of designers and developers who create brands and digital products to captivate the crowd and communicate effectively. They make the Good Summit look great. Check them out at www.thoughtcollective.com. So you're a musician. That's the other thing that we haven't mentioned yet, but we're going to get there soon. You're okay, a really yeah. good musician, actually. <laughs> uh, we will get there. So you're part of a gospel choir. The gospel choir have some conversations and it's like, you know, wow, hang on, we sing about this stuff, but should we actually, you know, do something about it? And then you end up connecting, getting trained, um, beginning to walk the streets to, to give, a, a, you know, a, to give a sense of, value and worth and belonging to people who others are looking at and giving no value or, or worth to like that's a life-changing thing like bringing bringing love to, to people who have such a one-dimensional view of of what love might be or is mm-hmm. like that's incredible mm-hmm. can i ask what did it do to your soul i mean it's one of those things like i Honestly, I actually feel really blessed. I remember at the very beginning, one of the things that worried me the most was being the only non-Spanish member of the team. Mm -hmm. When we originally started, we now have a few other non-Spanish members. But when I I was the only non-Spanish member of a team where we've to read Spanish law, we've to talk to the police, we've to talk to other groups, we've to talk to these girls. And when we started, our biggest need was to have people that spoke English. And I even managed to speak French to some of the girls in the past as well. And uh, we have had now another, let me see, three join us that also speak English because we needed more people who speak English. Um, And I have been able to then, not just obviously in our street work but I'm also then involved in the education side of things so um, I'm not sure if I completely answered your question there did I? Um, Yeah 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 Uh, I was asking what's it done for your soul? Well I'd say one it makes you very very thankful Uh, you know it kind of puts a lot of things in perspective in life you know it really it really kind of helps you uh, to see that it's not all that bad for the rest of us you know we can complain about so many things Uh, and also it's one of those things that um, I think it just makes you it it, it makes you realize you know how different people lots of different people from lots of different backgrounds like I said in our team it's not that we have any special skills but I believe that people are you know trained in their own way and equipped in their own way like we're all quite different uh you know one of them is has a background in social work mm-hmm. but she doesn't speak a word of English mm-hmm. you know I have a background in teaching so I can deal with them when they're acting like teenagers yeah. and I also speak French and English yeah. you know so it's like there's different you know we all bring something different yeah. to 
to working with the girls. I have one of my team members that I call her peace incarnate because <laughs> she is one of those women that no matter what is happening, like even, even if, you know, if there was an argument going on or if somebody's in a bad mood or whatever, she's one of those people that just walks into the room, goes, huh, well, I think, and as soon as she says anything, well, I think everyone just goes, ha, <laughs> you know, just this wow. calm comes over wow. everyone. Wow. So I call her peace incarnate. Oh, we need people we like that in the world. Completely. Completely. Fantastic. Can I ask as well, just a couple of things you said there. Um, you talked about being thankful. Has it highlighted, for want of a better phrase, has it highlighted your own privilege? Um. Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of things do. Um, I would say definitely uh, realizing the opportunities, see, even just coming from a family yeah. where both your parents love you and support you yeah. no matter what you do. Yeah. And they are together and have a strong relationship. And if I ever got into trouble, the two of them would come to my rescue before yeah. anybody else. Yeah. You know, yeah. just seeing those, seeing, you know, being appreciative of your family and being appreciative of the people around you. Um, that's definitely made me realize, you know, uh, being brought up, even just being brought up in a loving home yeah. is such a privilege, you yeah. know, and yeah. uh, having an education, um, having any form of influence, you know, being a teacher or being able to give these talks as well on these sorts of things. You're just like, you know, and these girls don't have a voice for themselves. You know, it's kind of... Um, they're not really listened to. They're seen as less in society. Yeah. What you have done with all of this is decided to do something. And that's superb. So you saw a problem. Your heart was a bit broken by it. You had other people around you. You now have friends who are prostitutes on the streets. You've, you're building a community around um, rescue and around help and around giving human beings value. And not only that, but you've now, as a musician, you have used your own position as a musician to, well, to, to do what? Tell us about that. So, um, yeah, well, I've been singing and performing for years since I was a child, actually. But I um, have recorded, I recorded my first EP and released that in 2018. And that was that was kind of an experiment. That was kind of just a fun experiment to see how the whole thing works. And the most recent song that I've just released is Paying for Love. And I was like, you know, we give all these talks, we give these talks about prostitution and about trafficking and about pornography and, and trying to let people see and like kind of pull it out from the root. There's actually a fantastic saying um, that I used in some of my pr promo uh, from Desmond Tutu that was, you know, there comes a point where we need to stop just pulling people out of the river, we need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in. If we're going to see real change in society, we need to go upstream. We need to turn it off from the source and we need to figure out exactly what's going on. And a lot of that, the root for me is terrible sex education. Sorry. Uh, I mean, I am an educator as well. I, I do <laughs> think there is a part of that that is improving, but I believe that a lot of sex education, especially for our generation, was biology and in in uh, churches or in other organizations I don't believe we're talking about it enough as yeah. to what is you know healthy goods um you know positive sexual relationship so um when it came to writing another song 
and releasing another song, I kind of tried to put all that into words. So with this song, I was like, I need to, I need what's on my heart to be in music. So in the, there's a section in the middle of the song that is cello, violin, uh, beautiful bass. Bass is one of my favorite instruments. And uh, that part of the song is mm, kind of my heart saying what I feel without me singing any words. Lovely. So what's this song called? So the new song is called Paying for Love, uh, which is obviously a little bit ironic because it's kind of that idea of they're looking for to fill a void. They're looking for something that resembling love, but it has nothing to do with what real love is. Okay. In my best DJ style, here you go, keeping it good podcast listeners. Here is Emma McCallion, Paying for Love. So you pay the price, don't you know it's sacrifice? But you do it anyway You've got this skewed version of love But is it love? Who told you you're not good enough? Don't you want to be free? Liberated and not guilty That was really cool. That was really excellent. Thank you. Thank Thank you you for writing and getting such great production. It's a lovely track. Uh, Tell us, uh, before we go, where where can we pick it up? How can people download that, uh, learn from it? Well, the song is on all streaming platforms. Um, It can be downloaded in iTunes and Spotify, um, stream downloaded, all the rest of it. And we actually made a music video as well. Well, it's, it's a Ooh. lyric video. So the lyric video is obviously me singing in English, but the lyrics are in Spanish to kind of reach the Spanish audience as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, you can access that on YouTube. 
Emma McCallion Paying for Love lyric video. Um, it's also on Spotify under my artist profile. I'm on Instagram as well. If you want to find me there, Emma McCy, Emma MCC underscore music. So that is my, mm-hmm. that is my Instagram. Also, I have the um, music video or the lyric video available in English as well. So it is one of these things I, I didn't want to just write a song sing a song and people say, oh, isn't that just lovely? Are you singing your song over there? Um, I want it to actually be used as a tool. I want it to be a resource that other groups can use and uh, that, you know, of, of any background, um, you know, people who are giving talks on this issue or people who just want to start a conversation with a friend. Uh, so it is available in English. Uh, if people contact me via Instagram, my, my artist um, email is there as well. And um, it is one of those things that, you know, I just hope blesses a lot of people and helps people kind of either reflect inwardly, you know, reflect on what's going on and what their actions are doing and how they are affecting other people. Or if it can be used as a tool for people to just, you know, have that difficult conversation with young people or have that difficult conversation with their mates uh, about uh, paying for sex and um, maybe pornography habits because it's hard. It's hard to have that conversation with people for the first time. So it's like, you know, what do you think of this song? What do you think she's talking about? <laughs> so. Emma, it has been a delight chatting with you. Thank you so much for joining the Keeping a Good podcast. And I'll tell you what, in right about a year's time, the uh, the next in-person Good Summit is going to be a bit of a mini festival. So we're going to have to bring you over. We're going to have to get you doing a little set and uh, doing some brilliant. tunes. That that would be fantastic. Um, absolutely delightful. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Don't stop uh, walking the streets, giving people value and dignity uh, and worth and love. Thank you so much. And we'll catch you again. Thank you very much, Jules. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. This has been the Good Summit Podcast. Brought to you in conjunction with Forfi. It was produced by Lee McMahon with Eva McNulty for the Good Summit. Music was provided by the fabulous Ian Archer. Stay connected with us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Good Summit and find out all you need to know on www.thegoodsummit.com and come back and join us again next time. Till then, go forth, do some good. Peace to you and to the world. world.